You're listening to Girls Gone Wide. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 110. And this week we are so excited to have Steph Hammerman here. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, how are you guys? So good. Thank you so much for coming on. We're super excited. I was so excited to meet you at the games. Oh, you're so welcome. It was awesome to meet you, ladies. We were standing in the rock tape tent and and Joy looks at me. She's like, is that Steph? We should (laughs) say hi. I was like, Okay. Yeah, let's go say hi. <laughs> so Steph is the uh, first level two with cerebral palsy, and she um, has just done a lot of really awesome things for the adaptive community with CrossFit and um, just being an awesome adaptive ambassador. So we're super excited to talk to her about her experiences with that and also just experiences being a woman in the CrossFit world as always. Mm-hmm. Um, but first and foremost, we before want we to... get started with that, we, we have started. to pay homage to our awesome sponsor. I'm holding up my hand. Is that how you pronounce that word? Homage? Yeah. That's so French. Homage. Yeah. What would, what, why do you, how do you say homage? it? I homage. I don't know. Homage. Well, maybe I'm saying it with a French. Croissant yeah. witch. Yes. Oh, you have to, you have to tell that story okay, later. Um, okay. So <laughs> let's talk about Kalo. And I'm holding up my hand as if you guys can see it, but I have my teal Kalo ring on right now. So if you love the podcast, a great way to support the podcast is to support Kalo. So that's Q-A-L-O.com. They are the makers of the silicone wedding rings and they have the barbells for boobs ring that's going on right now. That's black with pink sparkles. It's what's, really, really beautiful. And so if you would like to support the podcast, just enter code GGW, you get a 15% discount on your order. Even if it's not a ring, you can get a t-shirt, you can get whatever, get a ring for your friend, get a ring for- You don't even have to be married. No. I'm not married. I am totally single for the guys out there. Um, But- uh, A little plug. (laughs) <laughs> um, I am wearing my white Kalo ring and I absolutely love it. I just worked out in it and it's wonderful. So isn't it amazing? And yeah, I did it's not. Pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't realize how much I would love these rings until I actually got one. Yep. And so you guys jump on qalo.com, support the podcast, enter code GGW, and pick up your Kalo ring and and also give us a little Instagram or Facebook shout out if you get it because we love seeing your pictures when you get your Kalo ring and really truly this supports the podcast. So thank you guys so far who have got your kayla ring qalo.com thank you Yay. thank you all right all right let's so, jump on it steph so steph let's get started so we like to do what we call the crossfit testimonial yes which is basically you know how you got started with crossfit how it how it changed your life okay well um my crossfit story really doesn't start with crossfit it starts at about when I was 16, and I lost one of my best friends. Unfortunately, he passed away um, from a neck aneurysm, and one day he was there, and the next day he wasn't. And for me, it was really frustrating to kind of understand how somebody so young could just kind of disappear off the face of the planet. And it was really hard for me, uh, not only because he was such an amazing person, um, but he was also an adaptive athlete. And he was born with no arms and played basketball with his feet. And he was probably one of the coolest adaptive athletes I had ever met. His name was Scott Pollock, and he had this vision of making sports in general all-inclusive. So I'm going to start there. That's Mm -hmm. kind of how I've always felt a connection to adaptive sports and being connected to Scott in a certain way. Well, we're going to fast forward a couple of years, and May 3rd of 2012 was the first time I ever really rolled into a CrossFit gym and said, hey, I'm here, and I totally want to work out. And the first time I remember meeting um, the head coach at CrossFit Hardcore, the garage, his name was Scott, and he looks at me and he goes, I've never really worked with somebody like you, but, you know, let's let's go for it. 
And I looked at him and said, okay. And so we spent about maybe two hours really talking to each other and just kind of getting to know what I could do, what I couldn't do. And then he said, okay, enough talking. We're going to work out. And I remember that first workout just like everybody remembers their first workout. And I literally like felt like I was going to die. <laughs> and, and I didn't do much. And I really wasn't like out of shape. Um, you know, I didn't think I was because I was a hand cyclist beforehand. Right. Didn't you um, do a marathon in December yeah. or 2011? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. in, in 2011, December 4th of 2011, I did my first hand cycling race and I finished in four hours, 34 minutes and oh 16 my seconds. Gosh. And what's funny is any CrossFitter will tell you or any really athletic person will tell you the fight with the clock is the best fight you're ever going to have in your life. And, you know, it's the toughest fight you're ever going to win. But at the end of the day, if you look at the clock and you're proud of what you've done, you know you've won. And so I looked at that clock and I was like, hmm, that last four hours really just was the suckiest four hours of my life. (laughs) But I totally want to do that again. And I remember couple, you know, a couple months later, I rolled into this CrossFit gym, and I didn't even think about, you know, what CrossFit was going to do for my life. All I thought about was I wanted to become a faster cyclist. And so I didn't go in with the goal of becoming, oh, I'm going to get addicted to CrossFit. Oh, I'm going to become a CrossFit trainer. And, you know, all that stuff kind of came together and, and kind of snowballed effect. But what happened was a year later, I did that same marathon in three hours and 22 minutes, and I actually won my division. And so once I had done that and I started getting more comfortable with CrossFit, I started realizing that I was actually getting good at it. And at the the time when I started, nobody that I had known of anywhere close to CP was doing CrossFit. Um, I'd come across a couple guys that were amputees that were considered considering themselves as adaptive athletes. And I thought, what a really cool term. That Because we spend most of our life, I remember growing up, with the words handicapped, disabled, you know, all these different kind of, all these different like demeaning words. And you don't really realize what you're attaching to that. Um, and so a couple of years ago, when I learned the definition of the word handicapped and the root of it and where it came from, I stopped using it altogether. And that's not for every, you know, adaptive athlete or person of the adaptive community. They're, they may be fine with it. But to me, it was very, you know, disrespectful and rude. And I, and I, I didn't want to associate myself with that. And so that's kind of where CrossFit strengthened me was teaching myself that I was way more than just a label. And just like anybody, you know, I've been doing CrossFit now three years and coaching for two and a half years and and absolutely love what I do. But at the time, I was the only one doing what I was doing. So it's kind of cool to be able to see that I was the first, but I'm definitely not going to be the last. Can you just back up a little bit and explain a little bit about CP for people who are not familiar with that? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I should have have started with that, right? That's Um, okay. (laughs) So cerebral palsy uh, is better known as CP um, has a has like a um, spectrum effect, like anything else does. And uh, fortunately for myself, I was very lucky to be on the, the lower end of the spectrum. I was born three months premature, lost a lot of oxygen and blood to my brain, and I happened to be a twin. And so my twin brother got a lot more oxygen and blood and was able to. Um, function more on his own as a baby and when 
a couple months after I was born, I had, in essence, a stroke, which caused the CP. So in my case, it's a very mild case that mostly affects um, my coordination and balance, um, and so the way that I walk, I use uh, crutches and a power chair to be able to get around. You know, I do have good motor skills, so I'm, I'm very lucky with that, and I'm able to speak very well, obviously. You can understand everything I'm saying, and so some people with CP struggle more with speech or struggle more with movement, but can do other things better. So it's kind of cool because I've never really met somebody that's exactly like me. But in essence, I tell people in short term that the messages from my brain to the rest of my body don't always function as well as I would like them to. And sometimes my right side just doesn't want to come to my party. So gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta deal wait. with that. Yeah, I gotta wake it up sometimes and, you know, kind of get it to work a little bit harder, but... That's um, so crazy you have a twin brother. Both Joy both, and I also yeah. have twin brothers. Oh, that's funny, Isn't yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, my and, twin brother, he's awesome. And you have... You're one of ten siblings? Uh, yes, so we're a blended family, and so when, <clears throat> when people ask me that, they always say, like, oh, your parents, you know, were, were crazy, and I say, well, I have a lot of different kinds of parents, yeah. so... Um, my, my parents That's a great are, big family yeah so uh, we're you know a blended family which is really nice and so uh, it's been many many years that we're one of 10 kids so it's just easier to say that I'm one of 10 kids absolutely I can relate to that I have yeah, all, I have one my twin brother is my only full sibling but I have two half brothers four stepbrothers two stepsisters and an yeah. brother and an ex-stepsister yeah. <laughs> yeah. like oh my god I'm like it's really it's, it's less complicated. complicated than it sounds yeah. when you're in the middle of it anyway so, so yeah I mean and it, it's cool because I grew up as the only one that was any in in any form physically different so growing up with a twin brother was really my driving force to stay as quote-unquote normal as possible because we went to the same high schools, we went to the same middle school, you know, so like we had kind of the same friends and, and you know, our, our circles would kind of intertwine and I never wanted to just sit at home twiddling my thumbs doing nothing, you know, and if you know anything about me, you know that I'm not a quiet person, so um, <laughs> that, that just wasn't in my nature. Yeah, totally. So, Coming from the hand cycling world into the CrossFit world, how did you feel like the community was different or how did you feel like what was it that really got you stuck into CrossFit versus, you know, just using it as a way to strengthen your other sport? Uh, the first day I walked into the CrossFit gym, I, I didn't want to leave just because of the way I, I like to use the metaphor of high school, right? I wish and I hope that one day every single high school in the entire world has a CrossFit program, because think about the box that you're in every day. You have the cheerleading type girl, you have the jock type <laughs> guy, you have the overweight kind of guy, you have the nerdy guy, you have the girl that's into, you know... Right, you have the and, whole cafeteria represented. You have, you have literally the whole cafeteria represented in front of a <laughs> box, right? But what's really cool is the minute you step into the CrossFit box, everybody is an athlete. Everybody is equal. And the really hot guy wouldn't normally talk to the really nerdy girl in high school, but at the end of a workout, they speak to each other, you know? And totally. so to me, that, like, blew my mind when I first, like, realized it, you know? And I was like, wow, some of these people that I might have never talked to in high school are now talking to me. And it's kind of that complex of, like, wow, like, we really just, obviously, you've grown up, but how cool is it that, that 
people are able to relate to each other on so many levels. And so when I rolled into the CrossFit gym, I obviously knew I was different. But I wanted to do work. I wanted to be a strong athlete. And so that's what they recognized. And so they never really treated me any different. So that actually is a a perfect lead into, into my next question, which was, and you've already really covered this in a lot of ways, but how has your perspective of your own abilities and the way that you feel like those are represented to other people around you, how has that changed in the last three years? Oh, it's so funny to me because I'll even use last week as an example. I was, uh, or a couple days ago, I was in a doctor's office and I had to go get checked up on something and this was a brand new doctor. um, And she walks into the room and she says, hi, Steph, nice to meet you. And I said, hi. She goes, can I ask you something? I said, sure. Uh, And she says, do you have cerebral palsy? I said, yeah, I do. And she goes, you know, it's pretty amazing to see that you have such a strong physique for somebody with CP. And I looked at her and I said, you know, obviously you don't see this on a normal basis. She goes, yeah, but I wish I would. And that kind of gave me the perspective of people with CP are not like represented as people that should be strong. Or adaptive athletes in general for getting CrossFit, when people look at somebody in a wheelchair, they automatically assume like, oh, good for them, right? Or like they they have some sort of good for them mentality. When you put all of us CrossFitters and adaptive CrossFitters together, it's not good for them. It's, holy crap, those guys are killing it, you know? So it's kind of that change in conversation that I think has been so cool. Even over the last year, you know, um, Kevin Ogar's accident was, was a big turning point in our community's life just because we became so close. The minute he got hurt, I knew that, you know, he was receiving thousands and thousands of messages, but I knew that if I didn't reach out to him and him know that I wasn't just wishing him well, but I was wishing him to come and, you know, come into our community and with open doors, that he would have a place to go. And what's cool is that's now transformed into CrossFit truly embracing this idea of badass adaptive athletes doing everything that everybody else does. Right. And we there even was a lot of representation of that at the games, like all these yeah. like, different exhibits with oh yeah, you know, like in the vendor village, a lot oh, of yeah. different challenges. And, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's what's the, the the change has been from being the only one or feeling like you're the only one to to now basically being the head of a community which is a really cool responsibility. Let's talk a little bit about that. A little bit about that. Um, I know that, you know, I always see your hashtag wheelchair gang uh, <laughs> post on and Instagram. And that video was amazing, by the way. I just saw the one with you, Kevin, and I can't remember uh, the other yeah. guys' names, but that was so cool. Yeah, Chris and Gustavo and Kevin and myself. And, you know, there's Zach who lives in Texas and Angel who lives in Texas and Zach and Angel are both adaptive athletes that use wheelchairs and own their own boxes. Uh, and it's funny because it's it's like me and like six guys. Yeah, it was and totally so- all these other guys. I'm like, go Steph. That is badass. So it's, you know, people, that's where like the whole boss lady joke came into play was because. I loved I, it. I, I kind of had to hold, I have to hold my own when these guys are, you know, that we all joke around about different things. And. They're like, oh, how do you handle this? And I'm like, don't you worry. I can handle myself. But um, And for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, I'll post the video on our Facebook page. But it's a – did CrossFit HQ do that video? Yeah. So yeah. We, went out, we went out for a week for uh, actually my birthday. And we spent – my birthday, uh, we spent about 
literally almost 12 hours just working out. And um, But the story of how, I guess, all of us came to be was really kind of a piece-by-piece -piece puzzle. Um, Chris Stoutenberg, who's out in Canada of CrossFit Industry, he first kind of reached out to me and said, hey, like, I'm one of the first people to really be doing CrossFit in a wheelchair. Like, it's so cool to see you doing stuff. So then he and I connected, and then Angel and I connected, and then I saw Gustavo working out with Miranda, and I was Gustavo like, hey, like... the best name ever. That I know. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, hey, Gustavo, like, you know, I know that I'm basically nobody compared to Miranda, but I'd love to... To work out with you and and we ended up you know becoming friendly so now everybody's on like social media and on text and then little by little we all started meeting each other and then kevin um kevin's accident happened and it kind of just all came into place and when all four of us got together for the first time my birthday week you can't even imagine the energy that was in that room and the coolest thing was is that people say to us on probably a daily basis and when you're in a CrossFit situation like an hourly basis like you're such an inspiration which is great words but what was cool was when the four of us got together you never once heard you're such an inspiration you heard like oh this you know this workout's gonna be horrible this workout was awesome like great job but you never once heard like you inspire me, right? Which we thought was kind of cool because you're just with the people that you know inspire you anyway. Yeah. So you just kind of took those words and put them into action. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. So, makes total sense. Yeah. And I love the picture that you posted on your Instagram of um, you doing the mile and everyone oh, kind okay. of just walking behind you. Yeah. So cool. Let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. I know that had been a really big goal for you for a long time. And then at the CrossFit Games, you came down on the on the track in the Sub Hub Center and did a whole a whole mile and it took you at 50... 59 minutes 50. and 30 seconds. That's awesome. So talk a little bit about that experience, about training for that. And where did that goal come from? <laughs> okay, so actually, it wasn't like an arbitrary goal. Um, I am lucky enough to be friends with and to work with Co Coach Chris Henshaw. And Chris is one of the top-level endurance coaches for elite athletes like Jason Kalipa, um, Miranda, Rich Froning, and all these other big names. And he happened to come by on my birthday and kind of surprised us and said, you know, we want to work, you know, I want to see how you guys move and do endurance, you know, endurance things. And he was watching me work out, and we were realizing that uh, I wasn't getting the same stimulus as the guys were getting from just a row. And he was like, I wonder why your heart rate's not accelerating like the rest of the guys are accelerating. And I said, well, because rowing doesn't really do anything for me. And he goes, well, what about running? And I said, yeah, well, running will get me sweating in like five minutes. So I remember the first time we met and um, we did this whole workout, this row workout, and the boys were dying and I was sitting here like, okay, what's next? And so <laughs> he, he watched me go run and he said, you know what, I really want to understand that. Like there was a big question mark over my head and he really wanted to grasp that idea. Right, why is it such a big difference between right. one and the other? Right. And so he looked at me and he said, uh, I think that we should create an adaptive endurance program, especially focusing on, you know, those with neurological disorder and, and especially those with CP because that's what you know. 
And so at first I laughed at him and I was like, you want to work with somebody like me? And he's like, of course I do. So we ended up staying in touch. Um, and a year ago, I did a mile just for fun. I'd never run a mile in my life. I'd never run a mile in my own shoes. And so I said to my friend, like, hey, like, I just want to run a mile. And I did it actually in 59 minutes and 25 seconds. And so I think I, I remember seeing a post from that about how you totally ruined your your shoes. Oh, like, like, I, like I, Reebok probably like hates me because I just like obliterate their, <laughs> their, their beautiful shoes. Uh, no, the, Reebok has been really awesome to me and, and I'm very thankful for them. But um, so I, I ran through a pair of their shoes and I sent it to them and they, they kept it in their office. But when I met Chris uh, in January, I looked at him and I said, you know what? I, with your help, I want to see if we can, you know, improve the mile or, or you know, do, do something better with my endurance. And so I trained and uh, I told him I was going to be out at the games. And he's like, you know what? No better place to do it than on the StubHub track. And so luckily with Dave Castro's blessing and, um, you know, we were able to be on the track, which was super cool. Uh, I didn't PR the mile. And, and we like to say that it's just because of the, the gravel that was on that track because I kept slipping from, from the little gravel on the track. I don't ever make excuses for myself. So I'd like to say that I could have maybe pushed myself a little bit harder. But the truth is I pushed myself literally 150 yeah. percent and it, it was it was just rough i want you and everybody else uh, out there to imagine running a mile as a bear crawl okay oh, so if I, god if i said to you i want you to do a mile but i want you to do it in bear crawl form you would basically go tell me to screw myself yeah right yeah but <laughs> joy and i are both looking at each other right now we're like, we're like no yeah. way. gaping mouths right now <laughs> Right, but at the end of the day, that is that is literally how I walk. My, I'm literally walking more on my hands than I am my feet. Wow! And so that hour was so taxing on my shoulders more than it was my legs. And we we joke. I said to coach, I said, you know, I wish I could run with my legs, <laughs> you know, and and just to be able to, to teach my body how to move faster with my legs. But there's one thing that I always say, and it's because I never complain about running because if your brain works well enough to where your feet move faster than when you normally walk, you should feel like you have superpowers. And so I never complain about running because I had the guys behind me who physically can't run anymore, you know? And so in my head... I had things like tapes running in my head, and I had two tapes running in my head. I had Scott, who had passed away. He could no longer even be on this earth, so why should I complain? And then I had Kevin, I had Zach, I had Angel. I even had Stouty on the phone from Canada. He called from Canada while I was doing the mile. And he was, like, yelling at me through the phone, you know, and supporting me through the phone. Oh, so that's I had, amazing. Right. And so I had all my guy friends really just behind me. And how could I stop or, or slow down when these boys can't even take advantage of that anymore, you know? And yeah. so we never feel bad for each other, which I think is cool. But I always put that into perspective. It is 
I'm not going to complain about something that they can't even take advantage of anymore. Right. You know? And so that mile was really special to me. And, and I know that I'm never going to be like Usain Bolt fast. And that's totally okay. Like, I can I'm relate to that. And <laughs> I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But at the end of the day, like, I am an athlete, I'm a coach, and I take it all very, very seriously, especially when somebody like Chris Henshaw wants to work with me. I take this extremely, extremely seriously. So that's kind of the long answer to your short question. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. When you're coaching, are you able to, because you've had to adapt movements, are you able to look at people and just kind of see it from a different lens of, of getting people to get a certain cue? Or getting to motivate them in a certain way that you have a perspective. Okay. So what I think is super cool is I used to be a really crappy coach. (laughs) Okay. And and I'm not afraid to say that, right? But what does that mean? What do you mean by that? In the sense of I had no... I was just regurgitating information that I had. I wasn't learning myself. I wasn't teaching myself how to help somebody else. I was basically just like, hey, you want to air squat? Okay, then like push your hips back and shove your knees out. But I didn't really know what that meant until, until I started making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. And then those mistakes turned into, oh, shit, this really works. And that works. And this one's connecting with that one. And I think the the first time I ever really felt like a good coach was when I taught somebody how to do double-unders. And that was because I'll never touch a rope like that in my life, right? I'll never complete the double-under movement like you will. And so if I could teach somebody from absolutely nothing how to jump rope, I could teach them anything. And that was kind of like my aha moment as a coach. And now what's cool is I have like, you know, different cues in my back pocket that if if some things don't work for one athlete, I'll make up something for another. I was just I had just rolled into a box this morning and I was helping an athlete and coaching an athlete on their snatch. And they were having a really hard time with getting them their feet into position. And so his other coach was struggling with how to kind of tell him where to put his feet. So I just made a visual for him, and, and, and it really worked, and it clicked. So I think what's cool is we come from the perspective of having to see more than do, right? right? And so... I'm now learning how to kind of put both together. And so if I can use little tactical cues, I will. But I'm mainly a verbal coach. And then I'll have somebody like you and be like, this is my Vanna White today. And she's going to do what I say. Yeah. Right. And so like you make it fun for your athletes. And I, and I love coaching. Um, it's definitely a passion of mine and something that when you watch me coach, you can you can see it because I feel it so much. So what advice would you have for people, for coaches who are coaching adaptive athletes? Don't be scared. Um, And that's the biggest, and it'll roll right off my tongue, is don't be scared. And the reason I say that is don't be scared to communicate. Don't be scared to get information out of them because not every adaptive athlete is going to be like, hey, I totally want to work out with you. Right, Right. you're not going to come into the gym and sit down for two hours and be like, this is what I want to do. Right. Right. Like, I don't know where I come from or whoever like decided that this was going to be my personality, but this has always been my personality. (laughs) But I think for other coaches, you know, you, you, first of all, especially if they are 
um, coming off of an injury or have, have recently been injured, you need to know their medical history, right? You know, Kevin had to learn all new ways to do things. I had to explain to somebody what the doctors had done to my body in terms of surgeries as to why like my hamstrings weren't working the right way or why my right knee turns in more than my left and if you don't explain those things or get that information from athletes you might be doing more harm than good right so before you do anything you need to have conversation mm -hmm. and it's okay to make mistakes right and that, that's the biggest takeaway. Now, they should know that there are so many different types of resources from Crossroads Adaptive Athletic Alliance to Wheelwad to any sort of rehab center, you know, that, that people can ask about information and kind of get more information. If, if, if one of us don't know something, we're going to send you to somebody that does. And so I think for coaches, I think they need just to be open-minded and not be afraid to ask questions. I have two quick little follow-up questions. So first of all, I'll talk a little bit more about Wheelwad, but then also I want to talk a little bit about the best way to just like communicate with adaptive athletes because I feel like for a lot of people... I used to um, work with, I used to work for a rafting company that rafted with adaptive folks from all all different part of walks and parts of life who um, couldn't go with sort of standard commercial companies. And one of the biggest things that was hard for me at first was just being so afraid that I was going to offend someone by, you know, just asking a simple question and not really knowing where that boundary was. And obviously that's different for every person, but I'd really love to kind of get your perspective on the best way to approach that as a coach, as even just somebody meeting an adaptive athlete, you know, like okay. how... So my, my question to you, first of all, is how are you speaking to me right now? Like a normal human. <laughs> like, right. Am, yeah. am, am I an adaptive athlete? Yes. Yes. Okay. But so I think the, that that is like okay, uh, the uh, experiences uh, that I come from have kind of made me more comfortable with that yeah. okay, versus okay. like, but, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm not taking that away from you. I'm saying that even though you can't physically see me right now, if somebody were to call you on the phone and they were to say, hi, my name is Joe, uh, I'm from, you know, Florida, and I want to drop into your box. Without saying that he's an adaptive athlete, what would you say? Come Great. on in. Come on in, fill out, right. the, fill out the waiver online. <laughs> and, then, and, then he, and then he shows up, and he's in his wheelchair, and you kind of freeze up. You're like, oh, I didn't know Joe was in a wheelchair, right? But if he's going to show up into your box... He knows what he's going to do. Now, when it comes to people that are brand new to CrossFit, the thing that I would say is most helpful is to not talk to them like they're stupid, right? Most people, almost all adaptive athletes that I know of, don't need you to, to yell at them, right? Or right. don't need you to, to talk slower to them. And if they do, they'll tell you, right? If you have somebody that happens to be hearing impaired and you're talking too fast for them, I'm pretty sure they're used to people going, kind of, you have to slow down, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to just communication in general, is talk to them like they're normal people, right? Because we are. And if they're not understanding something or something is difficult, then you have to be the person to be okay and say, okay, I'm going to adjust to what they need. Because some people with CP don't have as good communication ability as I do, right? I have friends who... You know, it might take them 30 seconds to get a word out, right? But you just have to be patient. Yeah. Um, but people can tell when you start, you know, demeaning them or 
talking condescendingly, and, and that's not something that you ever want to create in a CrossFit gym. I think I've been to maybe a hundred CrossFit gyms, and I don't think I've ever experienced, like, true ignorance. If somebody doesn't know something, they're, they're gonna ask. And what I think is cool about most of the adaptive athletes in the CrossFit community right now is we are probably more offensive to each other than you could ever <laughs> than you could ever yeah I've yeah you know? I've, I've heard Kevin Ogar on so many podcast interviews yeah. and it's like so, have you have you heard his Wadcast podcast interviews don't don't yeah it's, I don't need to because I, I basically, oh <laughs> my gosh it's like it's so yeah. ridiculous so it's, but I'm glad you said that stuff because you know I think when we were talking to you before we hit record you were like, oh, no, you can't offend me. Nothing you can say will offend me. And we we already kind of had that like preparation of what we could talk about with you. But I think yeah. you bring up a good point of that's the fear is that we're going to offend an adaptive athlete. And I'm glad you just said that to everyone and you said oh, that on the I, podcast. I think, I think the most offensive thing that you can do is stick us in a corner and say, you can't work out with us, right? That's probably the most offensive thing anyone could ever do is say, you know what, I really don't know what to do with you, so you can kind of do your own thing. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to me, I mean, like I said, my personality is is very large. And not many people that I know, um, besides Kevin and, and, you know, Gustavo and Chris and, and the rest of them, that's why we all get along so well. We all have <laughs> very, very large personalities. Um, but I'm not afraid to, to say what I need. Um, I'm going to just give you a, a quick story, and I know I'm kind of going off on tangent. But, I love tangents. Uh, today is a perfect example. I was at a, a local gas station, and I need help to pump gas. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of strange to ask strangers for help, but it's really hard for me to pump gas. So I saw this guy, and I said, hey, do you mind if you could just ask somebody inside to come help me out uh, to pump gas? And he goes, oh, don't worry. Like, I'll do it for you. And all of a sudden, I saw his nanos. So I said, oh, where do you CrossFit? <laughs> so, Do you know about the CrossFit? So he's, well, he's got, like, all his CrossFit stuff Totally. On. I love that when that and, happens. And so he, he like, puts the, the gas pump in, and we start talking. He's like, hey, like, do you want to come work out? So I was like, sure. So I followed him to his gym, and we literally, like, just worked out. You know, and like, yeah, he didn't, I mean, he didn't know who I was. He knew of me because of, you know, Wadapalooza and social media, but he didn't know like what I was capable of doing. And when I rolled up into the gym, you know, there are three or four people that go, oh my God, like that's Steph, which is cool. But then there's like other people that have no idea that I'm even like remotely like anything into CrossFit. And so... I write this workout on the board, and they look at me, and they're like, you're fucking crazy. And I was like, well, like, well this is what like I wanted to do today. So I made them do, uh, we did, it's one full round for time, uh, the 100-foot sled pull of your body weight. So mine was 135, and I think their, theirs was like 155. Um, so 100-foot sled pull, seated sled pull. Then you did four rope climbs and a 100-meter run versus a 400-meter run. And at the end of the workout, I said, you know, so how do you feel? And they're like, you know, it's no different than you would feel every other day. And I said, well, that's the point, you know. And so that, that was kind of like a really cool educational moment where the minute the clock starts and you go three, two, one, go, everyone's differences disappear and you all just become athletes, which I think is so cool. 
That's so cool. So we talked about that too, just, you know, in the context of, of women in general who, um, you know, walk into the CrossFit box and are so worried that they are, are people who, you know, say, oh, I need to get in shape before I do CrossFit. And, you know, women um, specifically who go into the gym and are, are thinking, you know, oh, I'm not strong enough to do this. And, oh, this is way too hard for me. And then they really do experience that feeling of like, you know, once the timer ticks down and once you're all in the middle of that, there's really, it's just, you know, everybody kind of suffering together and you're looking around and it's like, this sucks just as much for everybody else. And so oh, yeah. it, like, if I don't know, there's something like hilariously bonding about yeah. just going through suffer fests with other people. <laughs> and, and that's what, and uh, I, th- I guess we'll go into, I run these seminars, right? And I, I, I run them strictly from a person with CP perspective, uh, especially as a coach and as an athlete. So uh, it's a three hour seminar and whenever I start, I'll always ask them, do you believe that the adaptive workout is going to be easier than a normal workout. And over the last two years, it's really changed now because of social media, you know. Most people used to go, oh, adaptive wads are going to be easier. Like, oh, good for them for doing this. And now they're like, I don't want to work out with you strictly because I don't want you to kill me. (laughs) So it's like, it's turned into like, we used to feel bad for them and now they're just badasses. So that that's a really cool frame of reference. But when I do these these seminars, uh, you'll see people at the end of the workouts go, you know, I didn't really realize how hard that was going to be. Yeah. Um, and that's because I'm so used to using my upper body for almost everything that, you know, when, when you guys are forced just to use your upper body, you don't realize how much you have to rely on your legs to do most of your work. Yeah, when you were just describing that workout, I thought a seated sled pull and then a rope climb, like, (laughs) there's no, you know, I would be, but you know, you, 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 (laughs) but you just said there's no way, right? Which I think is, people need to get that out of their head. Yeah. Because I, I teach two different kinds of classes in my box. I teach the fundamental courses, and then I teach regular CrossFit classes. But I'm in charge of all the fundamental courses. So all the athletes go through a two-week process with me, and you don't know how many times I've heard, I can't, I can't, I really can't, I can't, I can't. And I say in a, in a polite tone, maybe you should try it, yeah. right? And my favorite is to watch women do push-ups because – because society has formed this idea of what a woman's push-up looks like. Can And we're, we can't see each other right now, but can you describe to me, if I said to you, I want you to do a woman's push-up, what does that mean? Drop on the knees. Okay, why? Because you're not strong enough to push up your whole body. Yeah. Exactly, because it's quote-unquote easier. Yeah. yeah. And so what I think is really funny is I, I see these women who I know are strong enough, and, and they just have to know it mentally, they automatically drop to their knees. And so I'll stop them and I'll say, listen, I want you to at least try to push yourself up in a full planked position. Oh, coach, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, I want you to try. And all of a sudden, they do it. And it's like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. And I said, well, maybe give me one more, right? And and they, they do one more. Maybe give me just one more, right? And they end up doing like five or six of them, and they're like, wow, I can do that. Yeah. What's cool for me is when I, when I do a seminar and I ask men, I ask men, I say, how do you think I do push-ups? 
And they go, well, I don't know. And I said, well, just show me. How do you think I'm going to do push-ups? And I get down on, I get down on my knees because that's where most of my movements start. And they automatically put themselves on their knees and do a woman's push-up. And then I put myself into a full plank and push out, you know, 10 or 15 push-ups. And they're like, oh, okay. And so I think <laughs> that that that's kind of changing the way that women need to look at themselves. Forget Forget men or other women or the way other people look at you. You need to look at yourself as a strong human being. You need to believe in yourself before anybody else will believe in you. Right? If you walk in confident as anything and you're like, I'm going to just crush this workout, right? Everybody else behind you is going to follow that mentality. And that's what I think is so cool is watching these athletes kind of transform themselves mentally, where I never used to be as confident as I am in my own body. I always, I've always had a confident personality, but I've never been so confident in my own strength and my own body to know that I can do half the things that I do. You know, I just pulled my body weight today for 100 feet. You know, that was not something that I used to be able to do three years ago. And so, you know, those are things that you have to be proud of. And I'm glad I'm glad you called me out on the, you know, just even just saying there's no way. Because do I really believe there's no way I could do that? No. You know, right. I know that if I were to go into the gym, I could figure it out if I needed, a, you know, if, whether that means modifying, whether that means right. just whatever. But even just having that mental, you know, that first instinct to say like, oh, there's no way. Right. You know, right. that in and of itself is is a big is a hurdle and I think yeah, it's, it, yeah go ahead no and I was just gonna say I think that that's like one of the biggest issues is that women will automatically and I'm just gonna use women as an example because that's kind of what we know right I was gonna ask that same question so like a spe- specifically with women that we make that mistake of going there mentally it's like you you walk into the box and you see the one percent you see those women who you know, look like Miranda Aldroyd, are beautiful people and have beautiful bodies and can lift so much weight. And then you see, you know, your average woman and they're like, I could never do that. Well, Miranda and the rest of them are women, right? They, they, they started CrossFit with average bodies and they b- built themselves that way because they wanted to. And so it's not like they took like some special medicine right. to turn themselves into these beastly strong ass right, they women. were infants with six packs of abs right they they built themselves to that and i think that that's where we kind of just like with anything with relationships you know i find myself i find myself not as confident when it comes to being with a man right and it's like why do i do that to myself when i'm confident as anything in front of a barbell Totally. Right? And so it's like society is all kinds of messed up, right? You're has all, all kinds, kinds of messed up. I totally sick. agree. No, it's it's true. No, I'm agreeing with you. I just love the way you put that. It's so straight. It's like, you, yep. You have you have this idea of, you know, is this man gonna like me if I'm this way? Or is this is this woman gonna like me if I'm that way? And it's like why does that even matter? You know, I have to be proud of who I am. I have to be proud of the fact that, you know, I can deadlift 115 pounds and I can pull 135 pounds and, you know, push however much weight. I couldn't say that three years ago. And I think so for anybody, they need to look within themselves and say, like, what am I missing that I keep doubting myself? Because that's 
you're the only person that can fix that. And one of the things that we really talk about a lot on this podcast with women and with CrossFit in particular, when it comes to weightlifting, when it comes to just challenging yourself in that way is that I think any athletic endeavor, any, you know, we always are quick to say, you know, CrossFit is the way, the fitness style that we really love, but it's not, you know, the one, the one true way to fitness, but Anytime you go into a CrossFit gym, there are so many opportunities to have that experience of like, I didn't think I could do it and then I did it. And that can, can't can help but bleed into every other aspect of your life. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's important. I think it's amazing that so many people care to follow my journey, right? I, I truly don't think that I'm anything special just because I, I work really hard, you know? But when, I, when I'm at these CrossFit competitions and I have random people saying that they've really wanted to meet me or they really look up to me. It just kind of, it blows my mind because to me, like, I don't know. I It, it wasn't like I started CrossFit to become like a, a well-known CrossFitter, you know? And so the fact that, uh, like, I have 11,000 followers on Instagram. The fact that 11,000 people care to, to even view a 15-second, you know, portion of my life is crazy and life is not all about likes and comments and I totally get that but it's it's pretty insane that so many people care to take time out of their their life to truly care about my own and especially the elite athletes you know I'm lucky enough to call some of them good friends of mine now and it still blows my mind that you know I can just talk to them and, and they can relate to me and, and we can do workouts together and it's still somewhat equal, which is nice. Well, and I think really kind of one of the themes that you've brought up throughout this whole episode is just that, which is that, you know, at the end of the day, hard work is the great equalizer. You know, and so people who are doing, who are working hard, look at you and see that you're also working hard and are like, hey, we've got that in common. And, yeah. you know, let's go do a workout. <laughs> You know, like, it's just kind of how it is. And I think that that's the best part about our community in general is forgetting the games. The games is a great, you know, spectacle and and a wonderful event. But at the end of the day, you know, there are 12,000 affiliates. And, you know, 1% of those people get to go experience the phenomenon that is the game. But 99% of those people get to experience the phenomenon that is CrossFit. And I think that's that's the equalizer. That's what makes our community so special is you can go to a gas station, find somebody in nanos, find somebody in some Reebok shorts, and say, hey, you want to go work out? Because I haven't worked out today. Have you? You know, and, and you just go over to their box and work out with them. That's right. like the coolest and, story. Right. And so, I mean, not everybody is in the position to just go and go into random boxes and work out. And that I understand. But I feel very fortunate to, to be able to connect with so many people on that level and be able to, you know, inspire people in general. I'm all about inspiring people into action and not just saying that, you know, I inspire people. Well, that's what I get from you. Just, I mean, this is obviously the first time we've really had a conversation and just you have that really, really motivated attitude that I think a lot of people are drawn to. I mean, even just calling out Claire by saying- People keep saying that. (laughs) No, I mean, it's true. And I could just get that from you just right talking in the past hour and even just calling Claire out of the I can'ts and the, it's always trying to find a way. And I think- a lot of people are drawn to that um maybe they, gonna, ca- they can't do give, that themselves in their life i'm gonna give claire a piece of advice and, and for everybody else that's listening to this um but claire i want you to remember that it's not about the weight that you choose as long as your effort is always rx okay so i don't really care what weights you decide to use in a workout and i don't care how fast you go 
as long as you promise yourself, not me, but promise yourself that your effort is going to be everything that you want it to be and more, that's considered a true RX to me. Because I'm somebody that will never be able to RX Fran. But if we put on the board that Fran for me is, is 35 pounds, then that's my RX for the day. But my effort sure as hell be 95, per, you know, a 95-pound RX considered, you know. Right. And so I think that that's, that's something that's truly important for people to realize is that you're way stronger than you allow yourself to believe. Yeah, and that's something, too, I've been learning. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm, I'm about seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been trying to stay crossfitting as much as possible. And so every time I go in, it's just like, okay, what is today going to look like for my body? And that's right. been – it was really hard at first. I mean, it was really hard for me to scale back and hard for me to still feel like I accomplished the same thing that day but you know throughout the last couple months it's really been a cool mental transition to be like okay this is what I call it preg rx right like this is my preg rx for the day yeah and you know what though your your baby and and your body are going to be so thankful that you kept moving and yeah he loves it after I work out he's always like going crazy and he's yeah I, I can't speak on that personally but I think that showing people that, you know, no matter your situation, whether you're pregnant, you're an adaptive athlete, whatever it is, that movement is so important to your your life and being able to live the fullest life you can live. You know, I would have never been able to run um, at, for an hour on my crutches three years ago. Yeah. And I, al- I always go back to that first day. And I'm like, I'm always th- so thankful that I just rolled up in there, said what I wanted, and, and kind of went for it. And like I said, like I've said throughout this whole podcast, is I know that not everybody is going to have the same attitude and mentality as I am. But if you see somebody with potential, you say something. It's just, I was in college student affairs and student activities for years. That's what I got my master's in. And they always talk about the aha moment, right? The aha moment when a professional, a student affairs professional pulls in that one freshman, sophomore student with some sort of leadership potential, right? And so I kind of view it as the same thing. Now that CrossFit is basically my full-time job, I view it as the same thing. I look at people with potential. I won't be afraid to go up to somebody in an airport and be like, hey, I see you have CP. I've totally done this before, by the way. I, <laughs> like, I see you have CP. I can, like, see it from a mile away. Like, where do you live? And, like, we start talking, and they, they live local to me. I've had people come into my box that I've literally met on an airplane <laughs> and, 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 like, gotten them moving because they don't know that they're capable of doing it. Right. You know? All these... And parents are wonderful, you know, and kids with special needs have, have wonderful sets of parents, you know, and I'd hope that that is true for everyone, but parents sometimes like to shelter you. And what was the coolest thing about my family in general was that I was never sheltered. I was allowed to be who I wanted to be, but I also had to take care of myself. And if I couldn't tie my own shoes, I couldn't pick myself up from the floor, I wasn't allowed to go to college. And so those were the rules in my house. If I couldn't pick myself up off the ground and I couldn't dress myself, I was not allowed to go away to college. And so those were my driving forces. And so it's the same thing with CrossFit. I think that parents are so afraid to let their kids kind of go and experience life and go and get hurt, right? Not not physically hurt, but like 
uh, go and experience some sort of challenge. And so I think that the coolest thing is just kind of letting go of that and and allowing, you know, people to be who they want to be and, and allow them to be as strong as they physically can be. Something that we always see on our podcast, uh, a lot of people will write us and say, I never wanted to try CrossFit or I was always afraid to try CrossFit. And then when they listen to our podcast, they went and they, they realized it wasn't scary. So especially as a coach, do you see people walking in really, really scared? And even to people listening that are scared to try CrossFit, what, what advice do you have? Oh, yeah, I have this one girl I love her she's one of my favorite athletes that I work with um she was brand new to CrossFit maybe about a month and a half ago and I remember when I first met her she was like cheating on like her like squats she was cheating herself she wasn't breaking below parallel and I knew she could and you know she's a little more overweight and she was just very conscious and of of her own body and and the way people would look at her and now she walks into this into the box with like this confidence that I'd never seen. And the other day she did two workouts, like back to back. And I was like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? <laughs> and, and, you know, it just, that that confidence just changed. I And I think the best advice that I could give somebody is to just trust their instinct. If something has you walk through the door, if something makes you want to walk through the door, walk through the door and your coaches will take care of the rest. Yes. You know, and and if you have coaches that truly, truly care about not only their job, but care about how they do their job and care about their athletes as much as people like myself and people like Kevin and the rest of the wheelchair gang do, then you're going to be in such good hands, you know, and I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is CrossFit gets this bad rap because there's two or three coaches out there somewhere in the world that people are like, oh, I did CrossFit once and I got hurt. Well, CrossFit didn't hurt you. It was the way that you were doing it or that you were taught it. And so I think that, you know, besides the 0.1% of people that think that CrossFit is like, you know, some sort of painful torture instead of you know something that could build your confidence we need to change that yeah no so. i love that of just walking through the door and letting the coaches handle the rest that's very very true okay so we have one last question for you because we got to wrap up is yeah. what can we expect to see from you in the future years what are your goals um my goals are to just honestly become you know the best coach i can be and hopefully make this uh an extremely full-time thing. I also do these speaking engagements on the side. I'm hoping within the next two to three years to have some sort of book out um, as well and be able to share my story on a, on a larger basis. Um, but CrossFit's never going away. It's, it's now part of who I am and part of part of my passion and why I choose to do what I do. So it's not really going anywhere. Just hopefully going to be able to help as many people as we can. Love it. Where can people find you? People can find me um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Steph the Hammer. It's all the same. So if you have my Facebook, it's just facebook.com slash Steph the Hammer. Instagram is the same thing, at Steph the Hammer. And my Twitter is the same handle, so Steph the Hammer. And we'll be sure to post that video of the wheelchair gang on oh. our Facebook page because it's so great. I love it. It's, I love it's like Lady Boss and you do like the arms across your... <laughs> the boss lady? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, boss lady. It was so great. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they totally made us do that. 
it's so cute. It looks very natural. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's really fun. But uh, thank you so much. This has been so great. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on. We've had an awesome time. And I swear, Steph, every time I do a wad now, I'm going to hear your voice of like calling me out. I'm like, <laughs> Steph's going to just, Steph's going to call me out. I'm just going to oh, have God. your, yeah. Good. Well, so this I is... hope came across as a good thing and not a negative. Oh, thing. it's uh, no, it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. All right. One last plug for Kalo. Let's support the podcast. And if you guys can subscribe on iTunes and leave a review so other people can find us, that really, really helps us grow this community. So thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.